0: so that there's recording was, in progress i
1: was really hoping it wasn't going to do that that time oh, so that you would just be talking and i it would be recording
0: I think that we should start with that <laughs> her voice going recording in progress
1: i don't know if they hear that i don't think so I don't okay
0: think who's that. starting
1: me welcome okay. to don't drink the tea the agatha christie podcast where we analyze her books one by one her being agatha christie i've said that the last few times i'm josh
0: i'm charlotte i'm
1: zacher thanks for joining us today we are taking a flashback friday and are back on our good friends zoom so if we have any delays or technical issues with the sound, even though it does sound great because we're all using our Mikey mics, thanks to Zach. Hi. Uh, Hopefully this episode goes (laughs) on I was just thinking about the very first episode we did on Zoom is one of my favorite episodes because, you know, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. We didn't know what on earth was going to happen. That was the day that my eyes were burning because Zach and his dad had just made chicken nuggets in the fryer or something.
0: that's that's way too much memory to go with one episode you
1: you, we did the Evan Almighty episode I love that one that's one of my favorites
0: I found the notes from that game the other day and I'm like what on earth was this it took me a second to remember but I did remember it but I remember being so what
1: Am am I answering this now
0: I didn't hear his whole question. Go ahead, Josh.
1: i said, "Would you say that Evan Almighty is Charles' best game?" No, personally, not. I would say Murder in the Muse was a little bit better (laughs) Murder In the the muse. Oh, Um,
0: classic.
1: Yeah, I'd say that game probably is probably the second biggest game in America since the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, and Beyonce played it both.
0: I was still amazed at how much Josh knew about Evan Almighty. That's what totally blew my mind because i thought it was so obscure and yet and yet
1: uh so today we are talking about agatha christie's uh novel evil under the sun and this one maybe even if you're a casual agatha christie fan maybe you've heard of this one this one is pretty popular it's usually on lists of her best work and it has a uh it has a big movie that was made uh, in the early 80s. I thought it was 70s, but it was early 80s. It was the second Peter Yusinan movie, which Zach has watched, so he will be able to have a share in the discussion of that movie. But we're going to start with the book. I Good
0: job, it. Zach.
1: Thank you. He surprised me with that little tidbit. Um, <clears throat> Alana said to me last night, you know, we have to watch Evil on Sunday night. And I went, <sighs> <laughs> 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 But spoiler, she told me he enjoyed it he always does spoilers i lied
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's not a spoiler everybody knows that (laughs) do you think uh our regular listeners are confused that we had no uh cold open and just jumped right into the serious stuff
1: so they may be we're we're jumping right in because we're trying to get we're back on zoom times are crazy and we're just trying to get all of our episodes we had scheduled done today yeah i didn't know that there was so many (laughs) We're gonna be recording two, like two and a half. We have two normal episodes, and uh, we're gonna have uh, an episode that's probably gonna air first, which is our predictions for Death on the Nile. So, and in
0: normal uh, in normal times, that would take us probably the next thirty six hours of our life, but we're gonna to try to keep it to just one afternoon.
1: So when I told Charlotte that we we uh, we would all have to try to like have self control, she was like, "We," and I was like, "Yes, we." i'm sorry but i have so much self-control anyway so yeah, so. it's
0: tough and look at uh-huh, aha see you're not talking about the book
1: so, evil under the sun is uh was published in 1941 wow. we are officially in the 40s decade which we've talked wow. about is why are you being this <laughs> way i'm trying to participate <laughs> We'll get to the movie soon wow
0: that's one um, of the biggest uh feedbacks we get it's hashtag more zach you know everybody hashtag, wants more wow. of zach yeah
1: <laughs> and so the 1940s the most prolific of of christie's career i'm shocked at how many good books there are back to back to back in this decade this book what are your initial thoughts
0: it's very that? exciting
1: uh
0: he should we should we sum it up first
1: I would just say, like the beginning, like had you read this before? Okay, where does it fall for you in the canon? Then we'll just get into the book. Okay, as a Christy fan, how do you feel about it?
0: I have read this book before, uh, so I thought about skipping it since I knew exactly what was going to happen. Not but a I lot did not. Of ever. not a no, lot of I didn't. Ever. I didn't. I read the whole thing you're again. To think about it. <laughs> I read the whole thing again, and I feel differently about it the second time through than I did the first time interesting and i'm sure we'll talk about that later but yeah it is definitely one that more people have heard of and i'm not sure why like it, it confuses me that this one has as much popularity as it does
1: yeah i i agree given
0: the you. success of of death on the nile it All feels right. like this one's kind of like the i don't want to say the imitation because And I know we'll talk about this. Christy knew very well that it had similarities because she referenced it several times in the book itself. And I know we'll talk about this, but yeah, I was surprised by my own reaction to this.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't have, uh, I thought about that too, the fact that it's so popular or even that they thought to make it into a movie so early because it doesn't seem like it lends itself necessarily to a big screen adaptation or like it doesn't have the gimmick of, uh if this one's set on a train this one's set on a boat
0: maybe because it's like um a vacation story or in britain what they would call a holiday story that's the only reason i could think of that it was like a beach read because it's set on the beach but that was one of the things that i've i had a lot of question marks like on my forehead for this one like if i had my emotions coming out the top of my head they would just be question marks
1: well christy uses this formula more than just those two times every time christy uses the formula which she herself admits that she uses in this book it's in this book death on the nile murder at the vicarage and in a way uh mysterious affair styles and a few others that are just sort of versions of it short stories too it's always successful and she uh, she herself admitted like yeah I'm, I'm reusing a lot of the same stuff but I think she redresses it enough that you're always having a new experience and that when you're not someone like us who has studied the entire catalog <laughs> it, it still is a thrill and, and a surprise
0: and they're always slightly different and and so I tried to think about it in that way as well was she doing this kind of purposefully Because it didn't feel like, okay, she's running out of ideas because this we're not even we're not even halfway through. Right. Everything that she's written.
1: Right right around there.
0: Getting close. Yeah. So it wasn't I don't it didn't have that feeling like, okay, you're just recycling a storyline. Everything was always just a tiny bit different, more like in she wanted people to think that they had it all figured out. And then she she changed something 20 percent so that it was that it felt new
1: right and this is the last one that i can think of that uses that that it so closely to the formula that i can think of there might be more Mm -hmm. um so yeah let's go ahead and get into the plot um and then like i said i want to talk about the the movie
0: yes Um, so is 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 that gonna sum up
1: oh yeah do you want to just sum up like briefly what would be on the back of the book as far as what the movie said sure
0: the one you watched last night yeah 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 i know on the
1: (laughs) Arrakis. (laughs) Arrakis.
0: <laughs>
1: um, okay. So. Um, the summer. The summer. <laughs> uh, so. The, uh, some is going hiking. And they find a dead woman. And they run on the police station. And they're like, I have a dead woman. And then yeah. it just immediately cuts away. We don't hear about that forever. So I wouldn't have put that on the back of the all right, well, let's cut that. <laughs> it's like essentially, what would you tell somebody this movie's about? You don't have to sum up the whole thing. Uh, rich lady steals Popeye's diamond. Uh, for a, goes on vacation to get it, and uh, death comes <laughs> under the sun. Excellent well that's that was like a tagline and so thanks guys for to roughly translate <laughs> i was clapping in my mind. yeah i was clapping out loud <laughs> to roughly translate that
2: oh, oh my gosh
1: that was beautiful so this book follows the same uh the same plot line because it's a it's a she's expounding on a short story that you had watched the movie version two which is triangle at Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it follows the same formula, but it does <laughs> different things with it. Of uh, We're on an island with a, with a bunch of characters, all on vacation, Poirot's on vacation, and uh, we have a newly married couple, uh, the Marshalls, and Arlena is the wife, and she's known as... Uh, she's an actress, and she's a man chaser. Every man wants her. She's a very loud and she always wants attention which is not doesn't really match up with her new husband who also has a daughter from a previous marriage and while they're on this island there's another couple there the the Brewsters and no uh, the
0: Red Ferns Red Ferns sorry sorry The
1: sorry. No, Red Ferns
0: I got that like, like I that.
1: I nodded but I didn't which <laughs> when I took notes I didn't write anybody's name down all I wrote down was the wife of and, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. That's, that's what like, you do every time. <laughs> I have nobody's name. So, yeah, the Red Ferns, uh, so she has known Patrick Redfern previously, and it's very obvious to every single person on the island that that something is going on between the two of them, and there's no secrecy about it. Yes. Actually, that's the plot. And uh, eventually, Arlena is found strangled on the beach. And so, um, the book it, it this has been made into a movie twice and we'll talk briefly about the Suchet version uh the book has uh more characters than either of the movie versions do and that's true of every Christie book because we have the gardeners who are a couple that are there it's a very loud wife and a husband who never gets a word. he's just very like
0: american you know, yeah it's yeah, an american yeah. couple
1: and there's a a priest or a reverend a vicar vicar on on the island
0: which is not in in the movie and uh emily brewster who is brewster, like yeah, a, a right. an athletic like I, I take it as like a slightly older woman maybe like mm-hmm. in her late 50s or 60s but very um hardy i think was the word that they used <laughs> yeah
1: and Rosam rosamond
0: is oh yeah the, the dressmaker who dressmaker was like the successful like, single woman who liked arlena's husband like grew up with him his name was kenneth
1: yeah and, so and this, then there's the daughter mm-hmm. yeah the stepdaughter who obviously doesn't like arlena and arlena treats her pretty poorly um and so there's a lot of like tension before especially because everybody can see what's going on with arlena and this other man um, the Redfern, so, for the redferns, you got like this hot guy going around the island, uh, Mr. Redfern, and his wife is a very uh, meek, sheepish woman, very sickly. She's always even when she's on the beach, she covers every like inch of her, uh, and she's uh, she's not exactly what you would expect to go with him. Same as it is, like a reverse of uh, what it is with Arlena and mr marshall i can't remember his first name kenneth kenneth marshall kenny Uh,
0: kenny boy
1: ronald marshall (laughs) um so she gets strangled on the beach they uh mr redfern and in the book who's with who's with him is it in the
0: book emily brewster is with him yeah they they go out on a boat together and they see um arlena laying on the beach and and patrick was like oh let's just go over and say hi and and then she's dead,
1: dead. and uh all the people you would have expected to have done it kenneth marshall the the hot boy that was that uh, was flirting with her patrick uh, or, or, or
0: patrick's wife everyone has a cast iron alibi
1: right so uh let's just get into talking about the book let's discuss it uh thoughts feelings I'll just start with a little bit of something that I wanted to talk about. This is a a tiny book. This is one of her shorter books.
0: It was a fast read. Yeah, Yeah.
1: very fast read. I think I read it in like two days, in two sittings. And she, I think she does a really good job with setting up all of the, even though there there are characters we do not find out anything about who are just kind of useless to the book, which is one of its biggest flaws, I think. Uh, the characters who are central to the plot, uh, I feel like we we understand them very quickly. Arlena is, a, is, she's not my favorite of the Christie victims, but I get a lot of layers to her character pretty quickly in the book. I think she, she does that in her exposition very well in a short period of time.
0: Mm-hmm yeah there it was interesting the pacing of this was slightly different from some of the other ones that she's done because it's a lot of dialogue she kind of launches right into what's happening very quickly there's not a lot of setup and it does move very quickly to the event you know the murder what happens and then the solving of it but there's it's not so much the structured who done it as in interviewing all of the suspects even though that happens i feel like one of the things i wrote down is that this is kind of clue poor i feel like she doesn't give you much to work with till near the very end which is also like a complaint that you hear sometimes for golden age mystery writers is that they don't right they don't that they don't give you enough information for you to solve it yourself um which may be true. And and not every mystery book has to hand that to you. I don't feel like sometimes you're just along for the ride. You're not trying to figure it out, but I don't think personally that you could have figured it out because there's so few indications and they're all very, very subtle. Um, that doesn't really get addressed. I didn't feel like till very near the end.
1: I, it's hard for me to tell because I actually watched the movie before I had read the book. So I watched the movie when I was a kid, because this was one my mom had seen as a kid. And so we watched it together. And then I read the book. And so it's hard for me to figure out if I would. But I actually had the opposite feeling whenever I, Zach's cat is scratching at the door. Allow me to go get the cat. (laughs) I actually had the opposite feeling where I was, I was thinking like, this might be one that you could figure out. Um, Oh, really?
0: That's interesting. and, And
1: I guess- For me personally, I don't always like want a bunch of clues. A lot of it is dialogue based. You just kind of have to figure out based off of where people were and sort of on like, well, what did we actually see happen here? Like this is this person's alibi, but is there a way there could be a hole in it? And that's what I prefer. That's what I prefer with the Poirot's because she does that a lot. Once we get past them, you can hear every sound of like a feeding his cat. So that's what we get starting in this era, especially not early on, but we get more Poirot being, it's based off of human nature or the circumstances less than clues.
0: Right, and I agree that it was more psychologically based, but no, not so much as Sad Cypress, where there was a lot of, in Sad Cypress, there was so much going on internally. You don't get hardly any of that in this one. It's almost all... an extroverted tale you're you're along for the ride you're watching and listening to what everybody says and you very rarely ever get any inside views on how people feel you kind of have to judge by what you see or what people tell you which is a is a pretty good vehicle um to be honest and like what you were saying about Arlena is that you mostly only have an opinion of her based on what everyone says about her. And just because all of the other characters say the exact same thing about her, you feel like, okay, well, then it has to be true. And then I do like that near the end, Poirot tells you how he feels about her and it's completely opposite. And you know that he's right. Um, And so in that way, it was kind of cool. But it's so hard to differentiate. But Like you were saying, watching the movie the Ustinov version, um, kind of, it makes it kind of hard to read the book. I feel like you should definitely read the book first. In this case, because of the little changes that they made, I feel like the movie's actually a little bit smoother, to be I, honest. I
1: agree. I, I With both things you said, I'll start with the first, that uh, she did the same thing in Sad Cypress, except it was much more internally, but we never got into to Mary's head and at the end, she is different than what you expected her to be.
2: True. And she
1: does the same thing in here. We're getting much more, I like how she's doing more sympathetic victims, but she's making victims that you, you're, you as the reader, usually are like, oh man, I hate this person. No wonder that they get killed. And then at the end, it's like, you only hate them because of what the, what the killer wanted you to think, or just what people assumed about her. But uh, everyone assumes that Arlena is. You know, attracting men, and she grows tired of them and throws them away. But actually, it's the other way around, and she's very lonely. She only exists uh, for people to look at, and it's you know that's a, it's interesting for her to explore the victim because she didn't do that early in her career. The victim was almost the least important character, but right. in this era, the forties, especially when she gets to be more emotionally driven, the victims have more depth, and that's sort of like a mini twist. Like Mm. she's not even who who she who you thought she was. Um. So, what for you in this book doesn't work? And I'll see if it's the oh. And I was gonna say I agree with the other thing that you said that I think the movie is better than the book. It's one of the few that I think the changes it makes actually improves upon the story. But that's not something bad about the book.
0: No, Um, no, no. Uh, Just doesn't work about. Um. There was. Like you said, there was like two or three more characters than there needed to be. Um like there's always an inspector and then like the inspector's assistant. Yeah. And I get the two of them confused and kind of lump them all in together and start to ignore who's talking and the right. blah blah blah. Like it doesn't even matter. Um and with the the BBC ones where with the Suchet versions that they did, they kind of they just kind of eliminate all of that and just make it Hastings. Because right. Hugh Frazier's yeah. in all of them. I want to talk
1: briefly about that one before Zach talks about the good one, because I have a lot of beef with that version of
0: it. Yes, yeah, same, same. Me too. Um, so, yes. So, some of the things I wrote down was um, like, I couldn't decide if this was plot driven or character driven. I feel like it was kind of a, a balance of the two, because you could tell Christy wanted. It to be you know the 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 setting was very important but not nearly as important as say um and then there were none or murder on the orient express but it was still important in a way because of the solution which i I guess we're probably not going to spoil this one but the solution had a lot to do with the setting i think is part of it um and yeah it was it was kind of victim-centric yeah uh which i liked and i like that I like Poirot's sum up at the end because he's got a lot of his, I love it when he gets that righteous anger and right. he, get, he gets really offended by, not just by the crime, but by who committed it and, and why they did it. And he just, right. he cannot stand like selfish people. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's always kind of nice to see him get outraged by when people just are just being selfish. Yeah,
1: love it when he gets mad.
0: And some of the characters are, there's a couple of characters that I really, really like. And then I feel like a lot of them are kind of disposable. Like the, like the, the Vickers, uh, Stephen Lane, which yeah. you feel like kind of starts out like he's supposed to be kind of the glue that's holding it together a- a- as far as the background, like the the evil part, quote unquote. He's so, hey, kitty. <laughs> we now have a cat on the set. Yeah. Aw. On my
1: lap. I'm
0: jealous. Giddy,
1: gitty, giddy, giddy. It kind
0: of goes with the cozy feel. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <be> purring now <laughs> <laughs> and purr now. <laughs> no, um, I was
1: showing Charlotte the cat's face.
0: So. He's so cute. She's so cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the Stephen Lane, he's he's in it very little, and it's almost like he's holding up a sign the whole time. That's like you know i'm a red herring you know I'm, I'm a false clue i'm not going to amount to anything but i'm here and that he he was kind of disposable um the most important thing about this book i feel like oh no i can't all right fine everybody knows this by now we're just gonna spoil it <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fine everyone expects
0: to. yeah um the most important part of this book i think is the dynamic between Patrick and Christine Redfern. Yeah. That is the most important thing in this book. And I thought it was really interesting. I don't know that, s- has she so far really written so much about like, like an absolutely toxic couple? Like, has that really been forefront? Because we were talking about how this, this, um, this storyline has been used in different variations before, but I feel like they're Christine and worse. Patrick are, are very unique.
1: They're Yeah, they're much Uh, worse than the other couples, uh, because you have like, I don't, we, I guess we've already spoiled Death on the Nile before in that episode. You have sympathy for Jackie in Death on the Nile. You, you, I mean, Jackie's one of Christie's best characters, and uh, Vicarage to a less extent. But this one, they, you hate them so much because what they did seems so much nastier somehow than what they they do in those other two books. I don't really know why. I
0: guess. They... I think because it was, it was a pattern.
1: <laughs> that yeah, cat right. is
0: absolutely the best. <laughs>
1: like it's not based off of love or passion. It's truly based off of greed.
0: Yeah. And the the fact that they, they enable each other so much, like they're both reprehensible and they're both responsible and neither one of them tries to bring out the best in each other. They just, they feed each other's evil side.
1: Right. I agree with you. Uh I I did like this book less than I liked it the first time. And I do think like as I was reading, I was thinking, you know, the mystery of this book is like a perfect little mystery. Like the solution, the setup, the core characters, it's like, you know, this is like an insig- insignificant in like the the top of her books, but it genuinely is like uh, just a really well-written mystery with economic prose and she doesn't go too crazy with it with too many layers or too many side plots but the characters are like the worst part the core characters are great but she adds two and the movie does so much better with it of yeah there's more of a reason to be included but the book does not and I still ended up like oh my good reads ended up giving this book four stars because I think it does have a legacy for a good reason. Like it overcomes not having a real gimmick by having a really good hook. But uh, still, it uh, doesn't really, it doesn't use its characters as well as say Death of an Nile* or In the Noonan.
0: Right, yeah. And it the, <laughs> the movie just, it just poisons it for you because they did such a good job with it that I, I just, as i was reading it i was like but that wasn't what was in the movie like the movie was the definitive authority right. it on better. It. It better.
1: Uh, i wanted to take uh our new segment where we're going to talk about what some of our fans thought um
0: so we, yeah we got feedback that's awesome
1: for each of the books we're going to share uh what it is and i know some of them most of our fans haven't said anything but i'm going to read what some of our fans thought about it um one fan said I didn't love the ending on this one but I did enjoy vacation Poirot I like to think he was dressed like he was at a Jimmy Buffett concert which is pretty nice
0: (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) Uh,
1: and another one was I love the trouble in paradise setting of the story I love that it has a deeper character focus and subverts the typical expectations about some of the main characters so going along with what we said about the victim
0: very nice well expressed
1: and i know that i I heard uh one in passing this morning um alana said that she just liked Poirot's uh clothes in the movie but we'll get into that um oh yes uh it is hard to rank this one i still give it four stars and i still think it's a great i still think it's a great mystery book it's impressive that you know thinking about it with christy that it would be like below some things when I think of just how well written the mystery is itself. Uh, So where would you think that you would rank this just for some, you know, the Sad Cypress, we gave three and a half stars, just talking about some of our recent ones. Um, When we go into four stars, we have like, uh, Hercule Hercule Barrows Christmas, Murder is Easy, Three Act Tragedy, Murder at the Vicarage has four and a half stars.
0: Uh I I don't know I feel like it's like a 3.8 for me I know that that's kind of obnoxious but well
1: I would give it four so that would just take it up to four
0: yeah um
1: where would you put it then ranking it with the four Hercule Poirot's Christmas murder is easy three-act tragedy I think it's better than murder is easy and three-act tragedy uh it's definitely more iconic than Hercule Poirot's Christmas and they while I like Hercule Poirot's Christmas this one is much more uh, it's tighter, even though it has loose characters. So I personally would have put it, uh, above Hartu Poirot's Christmas, but what do you think?
0: I would put it above that, but I would put it under Murder is Easy because, and maybe that's just because I had never read that one before. So I really enjoyed it. Um, but I feel like that one had way more going for it. But the only yeah, issue is one. we
1: did put "Murders Easy below Hercule Poirot's Christmas. So oh,
0: okay. You were reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I mean, yeah, I would I, I would put it above. Okay, I would put it. That was the only question that you asked. Think, I'm sorry. I, I would put know. it above Hercule Poirot's Christmas, yes.
1: The reason why it's weird in retrospect is sometimes where I'm averaging our opinions. Right. Or, or putting mine above yours.
0: <laughs> yes, I was going to say that, but I didn't.
1: Okay, so <laughs> Evil Under the Sun, then... Is number eight on our rankings, which is pretty cool. It is a four-star read. So what we have is uh and then there were none, Death on the Nile, Murder of Roger Ackroyd, ABC Murders, Cards on the Table, Murder on the Orient Express, Murder at the Vicarage, Evil Under the Sun, hours Christmas, Murder is Easy, Rounding
0: up Top Ten. I have cool. a feeling it's gonna get bumped out of the top ten.
1: I think it will, but uh, I think it's gonna stay high. I think it's usually kept pretty high in, in everybody's ranking. And so for um let's see for poirot books in general it is number six okay uh okay so i guess i
0: can i guess i can sleep with that Uh, knowing that that's what the rating is
1: wouldn't want to keep you up so really quickly we'll just we'll just gloss over the david Suchet movie version it really stinks (laughs) whenever whenever they have to cover over like a big book that's already been done like we talked about Orient Express is really bad I think Death of the Nile is beautiful because they don't try to change anything I think they were trying to make it different from the Yustinav version but they pick the worst people in the world to play the characters like Arlena is so unbelievably bland and so are both of the Red Ferns and they have the they add the plot line where Paro is going there for his health so a lot of it is like jokes and they make the stepdaughter a stepson and
0: nothing about it works like it just it had it's so blah that was the (laughs) word i and and what we were saying about like arlena being so important and the victim being hateable but in the end relatable she, <laughs> she has like two minutes of screen time yeah. and you can't even, I couldn't even dislike her because the actress who played her was, you. Know, she was cute and she did a really nice job of just being like, just kind of like a nice person who comes and the, the extent of her air quotes flirtations with Patrick Redfern yeah. is like, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see you. Let's go for a walk on the beach. And I'm like, how... <laughs> It's like, there was no indication that there was anything going on with them at all. It was like she had just met her brother. It didn't and hold any of that, like, ooh, look at them. Because that was a big thing in the book. Every single person right. Everyone was did. like, oh, okay, obviously those two have got something going on. Like, it was so blatant. And it was just totally missed that subtlety or... There was not even subtlety that there was nothing. It just didn't exist.
1: And they, they really ruined Christina Redfern because, you know, in the book, she's like a character that everyone pities because she's like the reclusive wife who, you know, Arlene is so beautiful and she's like wrapped up in, but the, the actress who plays Christina in this, she's just, she's like, she has more star power and more charm than Arlene like yeah I, could, yeah I could see it being the other way around it's just the difference of the color of their hair it's really
0: poor casting right exactly yeah who had dark hair and who had fair hair
1: randomly they add hastings who has just opened <laughs> up an argentinian argentinian restaurant at the yeah. beginning paro has like a like a heart attack or an episode at it which is why he goes to the island and at the end the big reveal is that hastings new restaurant Dave Poirot food poisoning, and yeah, it's like, well, that's crazy. But then they reveal it gave everyone at the restaurant there were like 20 cases of food poisoning, and then they were like, oh, and they closed your restaurant down. And he's like, they closed it down. And I was <laughs> thinking, Hastings didn't know they closed his own, re- they just closed right without even letting him know because the food yeah. was so bad that it like almost killed 20 people. Yeah. It, it, it was weird to include in this book, which is like so so iconic for whatever reason. Right, focus a little bit on how bad Hastings is at life. It was
0: unnecessary bookends. Yeah. Now, yeah. I just recently watched the Suchet of the ABC Murders, which I enjoyed watching all over again. I just it right. was it was just good, and they bookend that with Hastings coming back and the, and the stuffed crocodile or the stuffed right. caiman, excuse me, and that worked. And I feel like maybe that's what they were trying to do. And didn't, now, now I'm, yes, that was uh, Anthony Horowitz. He was the script consultant yes. on that one. And so I don't know if that, I don't want to blame it on him, but. I will. <laughs> I've got a lot of beef with Tony Horowitz. <laughs> but think- yeah, the, the only thing I liked about this one, and I had to write it down because I didn't want to forget. Oh yeah, and the, the vicar was like, the, he, the poor man he tried so hard to be crazy and all he did was just sweat through, through the whole Sorry. movie it was sad the best thing that i liked about it was at the very end when, when poirot was doing the reveal jap is there because like it had to be in his contract i guess and he's like that's the most devilish thing i've ever heard and that's the best line in the whole movie
1: they uh it's in a weird transition because you know, the old Poirot series and then like the newer seasons, they're very different in how they approach the books. And there's like this little segment in the middle where they're trying to figure out who they are. Evil Under the Sun is in there and uh, Murder of Roger Ackroyd is in there. And they're all, they're all very poorly done because I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with the show at that point. And they found where they were going. But.
0: Right, yeah, because some of the, um, some of the short stories that they made into like the 45 minute episodes were so good. And they had a lot of really unexpected humor in them and they were fun and they were light and they were very enjoyable. And then it's like you said, it's like there's some sort of panic sets in when they've got a really big story like like and, and then they just bomb which is that they did not like you said they did not do that with death on the nile No, that adaptation was very good Excellent. and yeah. kenneth Branagh's got a lot to live up to with that one yeah but this one was like oh man did you even try people
1: and so they had a lot to live up to with the the 1980 i think it is movie. 82 82 it was 1982. Okay. And so zach yeah. why don't you talk about your experience of watching the movie how you felt about it share your thoughts this is your segment Thank you very much. I'm glad that we're all here tonight. Um, thanks for coming out. Um, first off, I'd like to start by saying that we started this movie at 7 p.m., which was way too late. So did you stay up both? All I stayed up the whole thing. It was a bit of a struggle. No, it was fine. But I was, she's like, we got to watch it. It's already 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah, like, like last time you said, we, we started the podcast after 6. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm wrecked after 5.30, yeah, yeah. so. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was two hours long, man. That puts me right at bedtime. I know.
0: I started watching it at 9 last night.
1: Oh, <laughs> you got nothing better to do. <laughs> That's a hard work of me. I got to go to bed, okay? <laughs> so this is how I've wrote a few, a few summary lines to help out. So the beginning of the mo- uh, movie, uh, I wrote down Woman dies, chubby cop looks shocked. Then Puro goes and looks at Jules. Yeah. That's just the <laughs> opening, like that was the hiking party he was mentioning, which Yeah, yeah. yeah. comes and up. At the end. She like comes up and she's like, a woman died. And then there's just this really chubby cop with like a donut <laughs> in his mouth. And he's like, <laughs>
0: and then
1: he even that. <laughs> Yeah, he just he just goes, no,
0: I completely agree with you. He has a teapot in his hand. Oh, and they a- they have a full like Three and a half second shot of him standing there with the teapot.
1: And he's just like staring, like, what
0: am I supposed to do? I was supposed <laughs> yeah. to be tea. He didn't even have a line, but it was like he forgot the line that he didn't yeah. have. like someone died. <laughs> he didn't know he was in a movie. You set. should call the police.
1: <laughs> um so then the next thing that I so Perokos uh he goes and examines his jewel that was supposed to be um getting insured. But it turns out it's a fake. He realizes it really quickly and he goes and he confronts the guy. And the guy's like, Yeah, I know. I gave it to the actress. She was supposed to give me it back, but she gave me this fake instead. And, you know, I'm pretty TO'd about it. I'm going to go get it back. And he's like, You want to come with me? And he's like, I would ride with you on your boat, but I get seasick. Now, is that the thing that is true about Perot? Does he is actually that, get seasick? Is that in the books?
0: It's canon, yeah. He it, it, it comes up a lot. He is always he, he, hates, he hates boats. Sort of
1: transportation besides trains. He hates okay. the
0: ocean and he always gets seasick. Yeah.
1: Okay, because I was like, I've seen him on a boat so many times. I mean, I guess <laughs> in the Nile. It's like you know, it's a cruise ship going super slow on the Nile. But when you're yeah. actually like taking a boat somewhere, he's like, it's a little more intense. I gotcha. I have a little. I, I had a little bit of beef with that. <laughs> uh... Then he's on the train, and he's in there, and he starts looking. He's eating dinner. He's looking over. He sees he sees two people in their hands and kissing the hands, and he's like, mm-hmm. he starts looking hard, and that's kind of creepy. Okay? <laughs> <Until> <laughs> out there, he's definitely a yeah, crazy no, dude. At this point in the movie, Alana trips over some boxes, <laughs> and falls down. I wrote that in. I thought that was pretty amusing. <laughs> Uh, she was trying to let the cat back in. She tripped over some boxes on her way back. And fell? She fell onto the couch. Oh, okay. I thought that yeah. It was I, I like the idea she fell back there like onto the ground and you didn't even budge. Yeah, she I hear <laughs> boom, and go. Ha! I'm, just, I'm trying to watch a movie for the podcast. <laughs> um, oh, this is another one of those those incidents where I wrote um a uh Okay, now so I, I got this wrong because I thought the sickly woman was the was the woman who was in all the plays and stuff like that, the actress. Uh, um so what I what I wrote down was wrong. What I wrote down playgirls head hurts, Perot pays tiny child sir, <laughs> Which is almost true. Yeah. Uh just that she's not a No, she just she <laughs> she uh she uh <laughs> She's so sickly. Girl's head hurts. Yeah. Perot pays tiny child servant to carry his stuff. It's a great scene. I like all the tiny child servants. They did a great job. Um, there's lots of tension between. <laughs> I wrote down that guy's wife, which is the actress, <laughs> which is what I call her for the rest of the, the rest of my notes, mm-hmm. and uh the, and the future representative of death herself, the mother from Downton Abbey. <laughs> Oh, Maggie <laughs> Smith, <Maggie laughs> Smith, who uh I described when I watched like the first episode of to babby one yeah. time as uh looking exactly like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> She's a <laughs> little in this.
2: <Goodness. laughs>
1: yeah. But she was wearing like a like a black like cloak yeah. at that point, And like it she just looked like the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. Um so that was exciting. Maggie Smith, what a gem, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um I was surprised to see uh, that as some of the like hors d'oeuvres that they're serving during the cocktail hour, that there was tiny hot dogs and a, like a <laughs> Jello mold.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. like,
1: "How fancy is that?" <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, then my next notice: that man's wife looks like an absolute idiot. <laughs> uh, just her gross. outfit. In- now that's that's Diana Rig. Uh, you know she she was a Bond girl and uh she also you remember that doctor who episode with uh where they're in like old london and there's this super old woman who has like a little red alien like leech on her chest you don't remember that is it an old episode or doctor who? no it's matt smith there matt like Smet. there's this old lady and, and they're like what is going on because she's like i don't remember what she's doing to people but she like shows part of her chest and there's this little red alien like hey <laughs> On her chest, and it was like, "What the heck?" And I, I do not remember. Well, that, we'll have to re- revisit that episode. mess <laughs> an and a half, but she's very good in that. Um, great. <laughs> she's great. She's great. But I think that all of her outfits look like absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she comes in wearing this sparkly dress, but then she—they also wear these stupid hats. That yeah, is like it's like a, like a bathing cap. Yeah, but it's like covered in jewels and like bright silver. And I'm like, yeah, look like a fool because everyone else was wearing regular clothes
0: the costuming was horrific in that movie
1: they look so gaudy and terrible but i love the camp it's it's amazing it's fun because my next uh my next note is yet again looks like an idiot worst (laughs) outfits i've ever seen (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah um and then one of probably my favorite moments in cinematic history is when the daughter Is walking by uh, Perot and he goes, Hold on, (laughs) mademoiselle. And then she turns around and he goes, Holds up an egg, (laughs) puts the napkin over the egg, and does a magic trick where the egg disappears. And she's like, I know how you did that. It's in your top pocket. And then uh, he's like, "Ah, She got me. I was like, Why was that in here? <laughs> <laughs> he was like so upset too yeah. that she had figured out his He was like, I've been practicing that for weeks. He <laughs> <Thank laughs> right stopped her in her practice. He that. stopped her. He stopped at his breakfast and he was like, and she didn't even treat me with the respect that I deserved. That was awesome. I just <laughs> want to say. Now, my <laughs> next thing I have to bring up is um, is really, I need to address it to the podcast itself. Um unless my next request is put in, I will be putting in my two weeks into this podcast. Okay. Is that you remember Purro's bathing suit? <laughs> yes. If we do not start stocking that in our shop, <laughs> my two weeks will be put in. If I can find it. It's not about finding it, it's about making it. Okay? okay. I need to get one and I need to pay me to do
0: it. <laughs> do you, that that is the only piece of clothing in that entire movie that is worth anything? everything else is filthy and
1: and i just i just so confused why is the like writer of like the magazine or he's writing the story on the actress yeah why is he always dressed like a sailor
0: (laughs) yeah
2: he's always dressed like a tiny little sailor and
0: it's different outfits too but he's always a sailor yes but did you know that the actor peter ustinov who was playing poirot designed that costume himself the bathing suit yes yeah, not the sailor get you up. Know?
1: I like that he's wearing like a chef's hat to go swimming in. You know, <laughs> almost that's. And then does weird. not swim. No, he like goes a dive, and then the actress has her has him help her push a boat out, and then he goes like shin deep in the water and <laughs> is like trying to like row with his hands. Yeah. Why you can't see? And then he just like goes back in. They're, right. Like, he just like... swim, and he's like, "Did you see me?" And they're like, yeah. like that was a great swim. <laughs> Like why did why is he so intent? I didn't understand his intent on making people think he swam. You don't have to go swim, Baro. <laughs> just show you off your swim swimsuit. Yeah, he was just, he was just feeling his good. One, his one piece. Yeah, he was feeling. Yeah. He was feeling
0: <laughs> that good. yeah, that we should. I I'm totally with you there, Zach. I will also resign if we do. I'll, not. Post,
1: I'll post a picture of it to our Instagram. I so this I also didn't understand why this happened. Is that. Maybe it's a callback to the book or something, and they just put it in there. and It didn't make any sense in the final edit, but Maggie Smith, whatever her name is, in the in the movie and book, Daphne, Daphne, she goes for a walk,
0: and then she runs into yeah. oh, and I know it. what you're gonna say,
1: like yeah. maggots hanging out of it, and she's like, oh. And then it moves on and it never comes back up. And I'm like, yeah. wow, it's completely random. I'm like, it? why? Why does this? That's
0: happen? that's not in the book at all. Yeah, and I wondered about that too. The only thing that I could think of after watching this movie like seven times was that maybe they did that to prove because because they do a lot of like flashbacks to like, oh, this is what could have happened and like show something playing out, but it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. is that she might not have been where she said she was. Like she went for this walk apparently by herself to write notes for a staff meeting. And then later you see where she had walked, like she was sitting on this little bridge and she wasn't there. So it was like, oh, maybe she didn't really walk that way. So I, I don't know if there was like some sort of shock value to like, oh, hey, look, dead rabbit, but it made no sense either.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I was the last note that I took because I only took notes up to the part where um, the actress died. Because mm-hmm. after that, I think like the story actually like starts and it happens really late in the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think there's a lot of buildup. Um, but like up until something like that that happens, and then it's just like really focused on like what's happening. Not a whole lot of really weird stuff happens yeah. after that. But right, I, I think it's it was really funny until you realize why he did it. Um, that they discover that the one with all the bad dresses dies as i put it in in my notes uh then uh perot shows up and he like is like he like looks at her and he's like okay we'll keep this subtle he realizes around the time of death and then as he's walking away talking to uh daphne i think he like looks over and he sees a cave and then he just is like i'm gonna walk through that cave but i thought that was so funny before i realized he saw something in there i thought he was just like Man, I want to go in that cave. (laughs) And then he walks in, and he's like, "This is a nice cave." (laughs) I I guess they were trying to imply that he thought the murderer might be in there. Oh, yeah. I just, I just liked. He was like talking to her, and she's like, "So, what do you think?" And he's like, "Well, I cave, uh, cave. I like cave. Hold on, cave." So So he walks in the cave. Only two questions uh, that I would want to ask you about the movie is one. One, how do you feel about this Poirot in comparison to all the other Poirot's you've seen? And were you surprised by the ending? Did you remember the other thing we watched? Um, I did not like this Poirot as much as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, I, like, looking back on it, I don't think he was bad. I don't really care about Kenneth Brana. I haven't seen him in anything but the movie. But I thought he did a good enough job. I liked yeah. things about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I, I've seen more David Suchet stuff yeah. and I think I just am used to him being Perot and so when it was him I was like huh and then I like I watched him and he was just very different mm-hmm. in his portrayal yeah. and I was like I don't really like this guy as much he didn't do a bad job he just wasn't as like particular as the other Poirots were because yeah. I don't maybe, but I wouldn't think that Poirot would be caught dead eating the egg out of his top pocket after he put it in his top pocket. This Poirot is not as uh, centered on um, the quirks as the other Poirot's are. He plays it much more bland. Uh, I mean, in comparison, because the other one from that era is Albert Finney, who they could not get back for Death on the Nile, the second one, because the makeup was just too difficult. That was his only reason. But he played him, whether or not you like that performance, he put so much into it that it mm-hmm. kind of feels like Peter Ustinov is sleeping through his
0: performance. He was, I think, he was trying to be more comic. Like he was, he yeah. was. I mean, he also did serious things, but he was kind of a comic actor, and so he he played it up for fun. Right. But yeah, and I I can't find the the book. I had it out here, um, and I bookmarked the page where they said something about his mustache, and because we we talked about this. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but we talked about someone was complaining about Kenneth Bronick's mustache, which I have a problem with too. I don't. But it never says, and we, and we, were, we were talking about how does, does Christy ever say what Poirot's mustache was supposed to look like? We just picture it, okay, that David Suchet is the definitive Poirot mustache. But in this one, it in the book, it said, in Evil Under the Sun, it said something about, his luxurious mustache, but yeah. never said anything about the shape and, and Suchet's is like, you know, very small.
1: Right. Suchet's is, is iconic, but that was because illustrators had made what they felt Poirot should look like. Right. But, right. Even though that's what people think it is, Suchet's mustache is the least like what Christie described, which he never right. described it, but always people looked at the mustache and said, that is a ridiculous mustache. his <laughs> mustache is not ridiculous. Kenneth's Bronas is and I love it. <laughs> now, shut up. Me and Josh have actually kind of gone into a pact here that in preparation for Death on the Nile, we're gonna grow mustaches exactly like Kenneth Bronx. Yeah, I hit my head nice. the and forgot that, but I'm sure it's <laughs> it is. It sounds like something I agree to.
0: You <laughs> do <up>. realize <laughs> it only it comes out in like six days.
1: Well, we're we're pretty good at growing mustaches. <laughs> last time I grew a mustache, I had to put uh was it? eyeliner oh yeah and it just thinking it up <laughs> because it, i i tried to grow it in a week and it did not work out for a uh it was a cowboy party yeah oh I yeah was, i thought it was a kicking mustache after you filled it in yeah <laughs> well it'll work out this time and and I like that, I, I think Kenneth Branagh's mustache is a little different in Death and the Nile than it is Orient Express, because it sounds like, Poirot changed it, because his mustache was like, it was an accessory to him, so he changed it. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. Anyway, this movie uh, is my, I think it is my second favorite uh, Christie big screen movie. Yeah. Orient Express of the 70s being my favorite, but this one... Um, like they do so much with i mean it has an awesome cast maggie smith is amazing in it james mason and who
0: is his wife who's playing his wife uh sylvia miles
1: yeah because i i've never really seen her in things but i knew it was a big deal that she was playing that character and she does an amazing job ryan mcdowell and diana rig and yeah. all of them are doing and they all are having so much fun in it and yeah so over the top because i even i even like the costumes in it because of how over the top and ugly they are
0: like, they're they're Disgusting, and I feel like they just dist- like the movie would be almost perfect, almost flawless if it wasn't for the costumes. It is
1: not a it is not a bad note in my mind. It
0: is a
2: good
1: <laughs> note in my mind because Death on the Nile, the one before this won an Oscar for its costumes. I like the costumes better in Evil on the Sun than I do Death on the
0: Nile. Oh my <laughs> like gosh!
1: Loud and abrasive
0: they are (laughs) they are extremely abrasive that is the right word
1: how more accurate to what the thirties look like that's what i always say when we watch but
0: see that's the problem though is that it was very the costumes and the food like yeah whenever food comes by it it looks awful (laughs) it was extremely 80s like they didn't even try to make it look like it was the 30s or the 40s it was it was so full-on the 80s like but Oh gosh. but but yeah, this this movie is just it's rewatchable, it's entertaining. The changes that they make from it to the book are just so much better. And I wish Christy could have seen this one. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I think Orient Express, Evil under the Sun, the and then the modern Orient Express, maybe because Crooked House wasn't on the big screen, or else I'd put that number three, but those are yeah. at the and Evil under the Sun. I, orient express is more traditional and it and it's just like such a classic yeah. it won so many oscars because of how much love is put into that one but yeah. this one being second says a lot about how-
0: it it it's fun and it and like you said everybody looks like they're having a good time maggie smith is just great i mean she's great in everything she does but she's so entertaining in this and she's always trying to to help Poirot and she thinks she's got things figured out and she's the most ridiculous (laughs) explanations. (laughs) Like, yeah, like somebody was killed by a pair of nutcrackers. Somebody was killed by an eel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, I feel like there there were times when her and Peter Ustinoff would like talk over top of each other. And I don't feel like that was scripted at all. I feel like that was just them being amazing because it was a lot of uh, stage actors who were in this as a as a film and I, I always love to see that i love seeing stage actors in film because they bring a totally different level of performance and they got the red ferns right because i feel like patrick redford is an extremely important christy male character mm-hmm. kind of like philip lombard in, and then there were none and they yeah. always you're not always but very difficult to cast and he just i like everybody in the Souchet version he was just bad um goodness but he was he was excellent. And like when I looked him up, I think his name was like Nicholas Clay or something. I tried to look him up and he was in very few things. Again, he was probably a stage actor, but he did a really good job. He was likable because that, that was the whole point. Is that he was a, a very likable, friendly guy who was quote unquote like seduced by this harpy who was Arlena. Um, but of course, that wasn't the way that it went. And then Diana Rigg was just awful like she was so mean and evil and everyone hated her but she was just so fun
1: (laughs) yeah everybody's doing a great job and it's funny to me that maggie smith and the actress who plays christina Redfern were both in the previous poirot hollywood movie which was death in the nile maggie smith is miss bowers which She's great in that too, but she doesn't get much screen time. Yeah, Christina Redford's the maid, who again doesn't get more screen time. So I think the potential of the two of them that it's upped into the next movie that they saw Mm -hmm. these two did a good job. I bet they do an even better job at this one, and that might be the last big. I don't know if Appointment with Death was on the big screen, but that I
0: think you know I read somewhere that it didn't that well i guess it was imdb that this one was like the least successful of all of those ones that they did and so i think it was their last one um which was really sad because there there should have been more yeah but um and also the location is so gorgeous it was filmed in spain an island off the coast of spain um and in the trivia it this was one of the things that the director said because that was where he he had like a summer home there it said the island should be a star when he read the book and wanted to to do the movie that the island should be a star and it really is the the sets are beautiful and the location is gorgeous and it's yeah it's just the music is fun too it's just a fun oh, great movie. music because
1: it's cold Porter yeah oh, the yeah. music is amazing and i like even just the score it's just great yeah yeah great movie and yeah. maybe i i don't know on a, on a day on a good day or a bad day it could be my number one <laughs> it depends
0: but it's definitely in the running and this is a fun fact but you i thought that i was being really clever that i figured this out but probably you already knew this that so here's diana rig and maggie smith together in the movie yeah. in the Suchet adaptation of five little pigs toby stevens who is maggie smith's son is in that and the woman is it sterling somebody sterling who plays caroline crail is diana riggs daughter
1: all right and
0: they're in that adaptation together which i just think is really fun
1: i knew it was them but it just never occurred to me like the parallel that that is cool
0: yeah nice yeah and both both excellent actors they learned very well from their moms
1: (laughs) yeah well i know this was supposed to be succinct, but we had this was a lot to unpack here And we'll be right back after these messages.
0: Really?
2: You know I hate to interrupt, Zach, but I just need to address our audience really quick. Chances are you probably don't start every morning by rubbing beef fat all over your body. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. FatCo creates tallow-based cosmetics, and their paleo philosophy looks to the past to discover the secrets of healthy living. To them, returning to the roots of beauty remedies with ingredients like pressed plant oils and animal fats feels natural. Their tallow is derived from the kidney fat, or suet, of grass-fed pasture-raised cows. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately that went out of style around the time that society decided animal fats were the enemy, stupid society. But they miss fat so much that they're helping it make a comeback. Tallow from grass-fed cows has a ton of natural nourishing benefits. It contains heavy concentration of vitamins A, D, E, and K, which are all vital for skin health. Faco has body butters, lip balms, cleansers, even deodorants made from hydrating tallow that are infused with great-smelling essential oils. So, when you use our code DDTT, you'll get 15% off on Faco.com. That's code DDTT at FACO.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit our website and buy some Don't Drink the Tea merch or click the link in the description to send a small donation to help sustain future episodes.
0: Thank you.
1: And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Wow,
0: we had messages. That was fun.
1: I hope that they were good ones and not just... <laughs> you guys <laughs> there, were, <stink. laughs> there were messages of... Uh war, starvation, and the fall of mankind. They were messages from the mole people. It's what they were. So please present us to your game so we can almost live up to our promise of maybe having a shorter episode. Probably not.
0: How long have we been on here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I I have someone else is doing this game for me. This game is courtesy of the Mystery Tonic One Minute Mysteries. Ooh. Uh, deck of cards. Well, that take <laughs> no, so I, I picked out a few. There's, there's like a hundred or something. So oh, we gosh. won't do those. But we're doing ninety-eight of them. <laughs> so this is just like a. It's got a, a tiny little setup and and something that you're supposed to solve. Okay. And
1: um... I'm great at these.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll see who gets the answer first. Um, let's see which one we want to start with here. So
1: you're not playing, right?
0: No, I'm reading them off. I have them in front of me. So, are we playing? Um, okay, I think this one's fun. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the case and then the mystery and then if you want clues, I can give them to you. But let's just see that if you can figure this out. Okay. Zach okay. so is <laughs> really focused. He's so so yeah, concentrating. A comedy
1: over here.
0: <laughs> I can't and- make my friends Wait. laugh.
1: Wait, keep making that face because I want to show people what it looks like when we're in the studio.
0: okay so here is the the mystery you have to solve okay are you ready yes the mystery of how zach had a stroke we all know (laughs) (laughs) okay while taking a midnight stroll marvin is viciously attacked after quickly rubbing something all over his body the attackers flee his assailants don't have weapons but marvin has definitely lost some blood The mystery? Who is attacking Marvin and what substance drives them away?
1: They they, they rub something on Marvin's body?
0: No, Marvin quickly rubs something on his own body and then the attackers flee. But he did lose blood. His assailants don't have weapons, but Marvin has definitely lost some blood.
1: So he was attacked by dogs. (laughs) And he covered himself in... Uh, something dogs don't like. (laughs) Let me think. Chocolate, chocolate. He covered himself in chocolate.
0: You dug yourself a little hole there, Zach. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) I'd like a clue.
0: Uh, at night it is almost impossible to see the attackers.
1: Okay, so it's something that's that's probably an animal, like dogs. Yeah. Uh, Because they didn't have any weapons, but yet they drew blood, which means they probably bit him or clawed this him. I mean, it has to be dog. Okay, it could be an owl, and he covered himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why an owl? Okay, let's, dog try
0: dog? It, let's try this clue. Okay, Marvin kills a few of his attackers with his bare hands. He kill-
1: what? Oh, is it? Did he? Mosquito it, bugs? Yeah.
0: Mosquitoes. Very ah, good.
1: It's a dog Bug repellent he uses.
0: <laughs> <You> dogs or <laughs> <are> owls. Dog repellent. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why you jump from dog to okay, so,
1: well, it could be
0: an owl. No wonder Zach doesn't like going outside. If the few times that you've gone for a stroll, you've been attacked by dogs and owls, it's not very cheap, like,
1: but it does explain why you're like, now covered dog with I'm chocolate.
0: Okay, I'm gonna call that a uh, that, that was a tie because you both got it at about the same time.
1: Oh, we'll give it to each other.
0: Okay, all right, you ready for the next one? Yep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> julia hasn't eaten in more than a month she is five feet three inches and under 100 pounds she spends most of her time sitting in a corner sleeping people come to visit her but she never says anything to them sometimes people bring her food but she's not allowed to have it the mystery why doesn't julia eat and where can she be found i
1: thought she was like some sort of pet but why she's she a mummy and she's she's five <laughs> How big did you say she was? Five foot three and under
0: 100 pounds.
1: Why would they bring her food if she's a (laughs) monkey? Yeah! (laughs) And mummies are usually taller than that. Oh, no. Ancient (laughs) object. Everybody's taller now because of GMO. (laughs) That's what I'm telling myself. Okay. Why are you telling yourself that? Because I'm only four foot 10, Josh. (laughs) Okay, give us a clue, please.
0: Julia is not able to leave her home.
1: I feel like Julia is not a living thing. But why would they bring her food? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. How long has it been since she ate?
0: More than a month.
1: Maybe it's like a plant that you can only water. That's what I wonder. But what kind of food? Why would they bring her food?
0: Okay, I'll give you another clue. Many people take one look at Julia and scream in terror.
1: It's a mummy. It has to be. It might be a mummy. <laughs> I think it's a mummy, and she's in a museum, and people are bringing slurpees up because they got them at the at the um, at the um, at at the, uh, at the museum gift at store? The, at, the, uh, at, the at the museum cafeteria. Is that oh, okay. For? Is that it?
0: Um, some people visit Julia to take pictures of her beauty.
1: It's a mummy, guys. It's a stinking <laughs> All right, mummy. Our answer is mummy.
0: um actually julia is a boa constrictor
1: oh oh yeah they don't eat that
0: off five foot three inches long not five foot three inches tall and yes they they eat
1: (laughs) it's not a good name for a snake (laughs) all right let's give us another
0: okay all right Several people learn that someone has been murdered. The people spend hours following the evidence and attempting to solve the crime. Finally, they identify and confront the suspected murderer, but they do not seek the murderer's arrest or even report the crime to the police. The mystery, how do they identify the murderer and why don't the people report the crime?
1: How do they confront them? Hey to kill herself I, I, so they don't do that they confront them but they don't report the crime
0: yes they confront the suspected murderer but they do not seek the murderer's arrest or even report the crime to the police
1: so it's probably a mummified dog
0: <laughs> <laughs> obviously
1: well maybe they had a really good reason to do it was it uh was it uh was it uh, an executioner that could be it or a cop someone who's allowed to kill someone
0: this it says it's several people learned that someone has been murdered
1: <laughs> several people, the people spend
0: hours following the evidence and attempting to solve the crime oh, it's a court
1: case right so yeah it must be a court case maybe they're the jury <laughs> is there a clue that i could have please
0: uh yes the murder occurs in a mansion
1: Are they just playing a game?
0: You tell me. Is it
1: (laughs) the (laughs) game of Clue?
0: Yes. Ah. (laughs) Very good.
1: Feel like we got that one together too. What? (laughs) (laughs) I figured the game part out. Well, what other game would it be? Are they playing monopoly? All right, give us okay.
0: Last one, one last one. Okay. In addition to the pictures of his wife and children peter carries pictures of a number of dead people with him peter admires the people but they are not members of his family even though some of the pictures are extremely valuable peter often gives them away why does peter carry the pictures and why does he give them away
1: they're money it's money
0: yes it's money very good Well, I was
1: technically to right too because the people on <laughs> the dollar are famous. They are, they are, they
0: <laughs> so, Zach got one, Josh got one, and you guys got one together. Very good. Tied. Yes. All tied. And up. Julia the mummy slash boa constrictor oh. got the better of you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on this episode. Next time, we're going to be reading N or M. It's Tommy and Tuppence. Uh Zach, why don't you give us a uh, closer with uh, I don't know, something? Something else. <laughs> oh, Tuppertoe Babe! <gasps> Yay. Yay! Why from here. We'll see you <laughs> later. Bye. Yes. <laughs>